Welcome to Product by Design with Kyle and Eva, a podcast about product management and product design, where we'll talk about subjects from product strategy to inclusive design. Every episode, we just have a good conversation about all the things that you may already know or not know, and occasionally we'll have a guest from maybe engineering or other product managers and designers to talk about all these topics. Welcome back to another episode of Product by Design with Kyle and Eva. How's it going, Eva? Good. Is it recording? Yeah. <laughs> Usually in Zoom, it says that it's recording. Now it doesn't tell me. Oh, no, I'm recording outside of Zoom. We're we're incredibly oh. professional with our podcast setup. Maybe we should do a podcast <laughs> on the podcast setup, but we actually record with a professional recording device so i'm sorry what, what was i even saying we don't record on zoom ever no <laughs> we've no. never done that <laughs> no if you could if folks at home could see the professional setup that we have you would be super impressed it's uh, kyle has <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've got a mixer we've got the zoom h5 recorder so that's recording it's yeah this is it's legit we are totally legit and I'm in a closet <laughs> with limited reach to electricity. So, yeah, but yeah, things are good. We're still same place we were last week. And, and I don't know, I feel like I just talk about my allergies and then the world ending. And last time we talked about the murder, murder hornets and things are still pretty dire, um, which is great. Still grateful that we're working and eating healthy so yeah still eating healthy is that that's good. <laughs> uh, actually i take it back <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're doing great i mean mixing it in uh the unhealthy stuff and and still eating like you know there is a tomorrow so yeah we're planning on surviving through through this time that's... by eating just healthy enough <laughs> just healthy enough. That's good. Yeah, we just came off of Mother's Day weekend. We ate a mix of healthy and unhealthy. So it was, we had a lot of treats. What is unhealthy to you? Um, a lot of dessert. So yeah, we got... Mix, wait, soaked in Dr. Pepper, right? Not soaked <laughs> in Dr. Pepper, but a lot of Dr. Pepper. Yeah, I've got, I literally have my Dr. Pepper here next to me drinking that. But yeah, we got, I got... A big uh, nothing bunt cake, which was delicious. Oh. The white chocolate raspberry, which is my wife's favorite. So, oh. but that place was crazy over Mother's Day I weekend. Bet. Yeah, I went there on Saturday, which was a huge mistake, obviously, um, <laughs> to try and get a cake. Just thinking that um, it wouldn't be busy for some reason. I don't know what I was thinking, but I went there in the evening, hoping to. Uh, just pick up a cake, a cake really quickly. That was a mistake. Um, there was a huge line outside because obviously they weren't letting everybody inside. Right. So I wasn't going to wait in that. So I ordered it online to go pick it up right before they closed. And then I came back and they were still just incredibly busy. Uh, so I had to kind of wait outside with my, my mask on in kind of this, not a congregation of people, but everybody just still socially distanced kind of 
just waiting outside right. to pick up their orders. So that was the cake. And then I made homemade ice cream for oh, dessert wow. as well. Yeah, we do homemade ice cream. And then as part of the homemade ice cream, it had brownies in it. So we had brownies as well. So, you guys yeah, eat we real all... food or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then the healthy part was we had steak and salad. So we grilled steaks on Mother's Day and then had salad. So that offset all of the dessert. I see. Yeah. Um, I had a salad too, but then uh, Colby and I went into this weird discussion of what is a salad? Because I had this, I'm sure you have it. Uh, you have had it before where it's the Italian where there's the tomato and the mozzarella and then some people pronounce it caprese salad and some people just say caprese mm -hmm. and and however you pronounce that I personally consider that a salad do you consider that a salad yeah I consider that a salad that was a very soft yes yeah you know the definition <laughs> of salad is so it feels so broad at this point is it though? Yeah. <laughs> salad really could be any group of things that you put together, I feel like. Because you can have fruit salads, you can have taco salad, you could have you a vegetable salad. Yeah, you put steak. Yeah, I feel like a salad is just any group of things that you put together into like yeah. a bowl and then you just call it a salad. I would say this too, is that I would call this a salad in, in, in here in the U.S., but if I go out of the country, let's say if I go to Italy and if I want to order that, would I call call that dish a salad? Absolutely not. <laughs> that is not considered a salad uh, outside of the United States, I don't think. So just, just there are orders to society and we must not break them. We just don't have any rules in the U.S.? Is that what we're, we've decided? Oh, no, I, I never said that. Don't sue me. I never said that. That is not what I meant. And please don't hurt me. Um, but uh, there, it's a different set of rules. And yeah, it's different. Okay. That's really yeah. interesting. I actually, I feel like that's a topic to explore at some point. And I'm really interested yeah, I, in the, the definition of salad now. I feel like I'm going to have to go do some more <laughs> yeah, research on this. Yeah, but I mean, like, like, for example, I would never jaywalk in Hong Kong, but I, I would jaywalk here. And it kind of varies by city, too. Like if you're in New York, it's just kind of cross okay. any street anywhere. And that's just the way it is. But then in other places, you're a little bit more responsible in where you do your, jay your jaywalking. Yeah, the line kind of moves as you travel. Yeah. Caprese slash caprice. It's that dish. That dish is, is a salad here to yeah. me. So, yeah. I would, Glad we I would consider that. a salad. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and on that note, I, I like that we started with this, like, well, there are orders of society. What do, what do we consider? It's like, okay versus not okay. Because I do feel like that will be a ruler that we use for today's topic. You're right. It kind of leads perfectly into design thinking, right? Which is something that we're going to talk about today. I love that every episode we have to think of a way, like, how do we segue into this? And it's like the most random thing. It's like, yeah, of course, this is product and this is design. Yeah. Um, but here we are. Yes. Design thinking. That's all we we're talking about today. Is it the most random or is it the most perfect segue? Uh, both. Yeah. And I, I think we're just both in like quarantine for too long that I'm losing my mind. But design thinking. Can I start with asking you from 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 your perspective, what is design thinking? It's a great question. Design thinking for me, it's a little bit nebulous 
at least in the context of, I think that there are a bunch of different definitions. So when I think of design thinking, I always kind of go back to IDEO and IDEO. I think that's how you pronounce it, right? The the design thinking lab. Yeah. Who kind of popularized the idea of design thinking. But did they invent it? I I don't think they invented. That's one thing it. I was trying to figure that out. Yeah, I think they popularized it, or it, that's and, a good way to of, put it. Yeah, brought together a lot of the concepts and maybe formalized it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's a lot of ways to look at design thinking. And when I think of it, so one, I think of their way of looking at it, which is really focusing in on the human needs and the human element of design. What is it that the people at the center of whether it's the product or the experience, what are their needs? What is the purpose that they're trying to achieve and how can we help them? And so design thinking, I think, is really a focus on the human element and the people at the center of the experience. More broadly speaking, I think design thinking is really about gaining an understanding and kind of creating a portfolio of ideas that we can then test and experiment with and create the best possible outcomes for, again, really being centered on the people at the heart of the experience. And then thirdly, I I think of design thinking as really just another tool kind of in, in our toolkit of ways to approach problems. So kind of a a problem solving way that we can think about problems that we can refocus or at least a different lens that we can use to approach uh, a lot of the problems that we face. So those Mm -hmm. are kind of the different ways that I think about design thinking. So let me turn that question around on you. (laughs) What are your thoughts around design thinking? I was going to say that was perfect. That's the end of the <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you talked a lot about uh, problem solving and, and, and how do we crack this, you know, problem and start with uh, people and understanding what people need or people want. Right. And and I think I'll, I agree with uh, uh, basically everything you just mentioned, and that is very much the definition of design thinking. And I do want to bring up uh, this idea that this designer has shared in in uh, Norman Newsom's one of those many videos that they have um, their chief designer Sarah Gib- Gibbons um, she describes it as it is a mindset which I think that changes how you see design thinking too because a lot of people look at design thinking thinking well it is for designers it's not for anyone else but design thinking is something that it's not about just the you know oh executing on the on on the uh interface or executing this one particular portion of the process it's really uh, from start to finish um how do we approach a problem so i definitely think that this is not this should not be limited to oh you're a designer you do design thinking i don't have to and it's only beneficial for everyone to understand what design thinking means and try to uh, adopt it, if not every single step of the process, but, you know, the overall idea is that kind of like what you said, try to crack, you know, this case with understanding first what people need and then um, go through that process, the different steps in it that I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. And as I was researching uh, on this topic too, and I found this very interesting term, I don't know if you have heard of uh, this term wicked problem. 
Have you heard of it, Kyle? Yes, I have. And I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Why do you love it? Let me see if if we have kind of the same definition of it. So I'll let you kind of go first. All right. Me first. Okay. So from what I just read is that uh, Wicca problem is basically a problem that brings uh, an infinite amount of uh, complexity that can be any sort of issues like social issues usually kind of illustrates the the amount of complexity that a Wicca problem uh, would have. Just an issue that you cannot solve by a small amount of changes or small amount of uh, people. For example, like how do you solve, uh, let's say, climate change? That's not something that you as an individual or three other people or even 200 people can solve. That's a very, very complicated issue that requires multiple layers of solutions. And also, I mean, within those solutions, they might not work. And it it involves a lot of testing and what works, what doesn't work, just going through that entire process uh, that we just described. And so, yeah, that's that's what I know as a wicked problem. Is that does that match up with what what you know? Yeah, in the book Range, uh, and David Epstein talks a little bit about this as well. The idea of a a wicked world uh, being kind of like you just touched on, and I and I I love kind of that context around it, where there are uh, kind of he uses the term wicked problem or or wicked world where the complexities are much more uh, difficult to kind of not only wrap mm-hmm. your head around, but the Where problem, do you start? yeah, the problems are, are much more complex and you have kind of this simple world versus a wicked world. And so you have to approach those types of problems much differently than you would a kind of a simple world type of problem. So yes, I think those mm-hmm. are very fascinating ones. And, and that's kind of where the design thinking or bringing all of these different types of problem solving tools makes a lot more sense. Yes. And I think the, the uh, biggest benefit of design thinking is really the process of it, not really the end goal, because I don't think design thinking is really like you start and then you finish. It's a continuous process where you continue to iterate. And in order to, you know, you have to, like we talked, We've, we've talked about like you have to start somewhere and we start with people right and that kind of is that kind of becomes the first step of, of the design thinking process is to uh, empathize with the user or whoever is affected by that issue or the target audience of of the solution or the possible solution right I guess we can kind of start talking about the different steps of what is involved in, in design thinking um, since I just kind of talked about step one and also, I would, I would love to uh, talk about the different iterations of, of design thinking too, because we started with talking about IDEO's um, version of it, and then as as multiple uh, different people, organizations have kind of done their own iterations on on it too. I've seen like ones that has five steps and ones that have nine different steps, and then they are all right. It just depends on how you want to cut the cake. <laughs> like you can really dice it or you can slice it and um but the overall idea is kind of what kyle and i have been saying it starts with people and again step one is to empathize the issue to understand um and then the next step is to define the problem where you really sit down and say okay we have now 
gather input from from the users. I mean, I'm going to just keep saying users because we're not trying to solve climate change here. So talking about product management. So and then after that, we define the problem, basically putting down some like this is where I think it, it materializes a little more on paper where you can say this is the problem and where they are running into the problem and and what do we need to be mindful of and just kind of putting some shape and size to the issue that you're trying to solve. So that I would say is the very important portion of the process and very much the crux of it, uh, in my opinion, as, as you know, it's anybody can hurry quick, let's make some assumption and, and execute, but then that will keep you in this infinite loop of like, are we solving, solving a problem? Okay, we're not. Why? You know, most of the time it's because we're missing the understanding part to to listen, to understand from from the users. So yeah, that, that would be the first few, uh, couple of steps of, of design thinking. So next up in kind of the exploring some of the solutions, you want to ideate on uh, some of the things that you found. This is kind of an exciting part of the process for me, where you think about a lot of the potential solutions and ideas that could solve some of the problems that you found. So once you've really taken time to understand users and people, you start to generate a lot of ideas, no matter how crazy they might sound, because that's where a lot of the best ideas can come from. And so the ideation phase of design thinking really isn't meant to be, you know, let's come up with the best solution. It's really meant to be, at least in my opinion, kind of the phase where let's come up with a whole bunch of possibilities that, you know, no matter how crazy they might be, anything that might work, you know, from the the most obvious thing to the most crazy thing. And let's get all of those out so that we can start to think inside the box, outside the box, and then start to debate, you know, how could these possible solutions impact the problem that we're trying to solve? Because from there, it goes into the next phase of design thinking, which is really prototyping some of those solutions. So that's where you really build actual representations of some of the ideas that might best solve the problems for users so that you can actually start to move into the next phase, which we'll talk about in just a second. But some of these prototypes will help to refine some of the ideas and help show what's going to be some of the best solutions. So exploring, this is kind of the exploration phase of design thinking, uh, exploring a bunch of the ideas and then prototyping them so that you can really define you know, what are some of the best possible ideas? So ideating and then prototyping what some of those solutions might look like. Yes. And one thing I do want to bring in here too, is that um, in this process, after ideate, like Kyle said, it's prototype. It's not design because the point of prototyping is that so that we can bring it to this next phase, uh, which is testing being one of the, a very, very important step to kind of validate the possible solution. And in and, and, and design thinking, we don't say this is done and this is the design. We test with our prototype from, you know, our last step and to gather feedback from the users and um, try to understand how this possible solution uh, being the prototype can help to 
you know, resolve the issues that uh, uh, we know the users are running into. Um, again, that will be informed by the research that we have mentioned from the uh, empathize uh, phase or, or when we're defining the problem. And so test is kind of the uh, major checkpoint before kind of the finish line. And after that would be uh, putting the solution into uh, uh, basically into the product itself and, and say, this is it, let's build this to materialize that uh, solution. And the implement part is most of the time, it's very much like, oh, engineers building the thing, right? So th that's kind of also why some of the design thinking uh, process chart, you might not see that being a step. So that kind of brings in the variation of like, oh, is it five steps? Is it six steps? And then, uh, like I mentioned earlier, some people also chop it a little more granular and say, okay, in the empathize phase, and then we need to put in the POV, which is point of view of... Uh, the customer of the user. And then, so there are different variations of this, but the steps that Cairo and I just went through would be the core body of design thinking. And as we have mentioned too, like you can use this to solve very, very uh, complicated problems, but at the same time, I'm sure in your, uh, e even if you don't know that you're implementing design thinking, if you have any sort of dedicated effort into UX or into research, you are one way or another, you know, diving into this mindset because the second you are thinking about, oh, are we solving the right problem? How is this problem manifesting itself to the users and stuff? You are, you know, uh, already have your hands dirty in design thinking. So, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And that's kind of the exciting part. It's It sounds kind of like a formal process, but it really is much more about the understanding, exploring ideas, and then testing them. Like this is something that I feel like is, is much more about, you know, it, it's almost second nature to a lot of things that we do mm -hmm. and kind of putting into words and putting into kind of a process things that we already kind of intuitively understand and want to maybe somewhat formalized, but put kind of structure around, here's the things that we really should be doing and, and understand that, that in a lot of ways we do and that to make the best products and to make the best experiences, we need to be doing. And so here's how to do that. We need to understand, yeah. we need to explore a lot of ideas, and then we need to test them out and go through kind of this iterative cycle of understanding what users are doing, exploring a bunch of ideas, testing them out, and then implementing, um, not the other way around of, Hey, let's, let's, let's yeah, let's build it. And then, and then see if it works and then go back and decide why it didn't work and then come up with another solution and then build it and then figure out why it didn't work. That's the opposite of what we want to be doing. Let's, let's figure out what's going to work first by understanding what the problem is, coming up with ideas, testing them out through low-cost prototypes and low-cost testing and then implementing them. And that's a much better process that it may feel like it takes longer initially, but that's the kind of thing that ultimately saves us a lot of money for companies, a lot of problems and a lot of heartache for users and product mm -hmm. managers and designers by not having to go back. And, and a lot of meetings. Yes. And, a, and so <laughs> many meetings saves us so many meetings. Yeah. This is, it's a process that if we can get it internalized into the, into the way that we think into our mindset and into our teams can just, it save us so much heartache on the back end and so many issues. And, and again, so many meetings that it's, it's worth it 
if we can get ourselves thinking in this way and get our teams and companies moving in this direction. Totally. And that's also why I really like, um, as I quoted at the very beginning, Sarah Gibbons describes it as a mindset. And the reason why I like it is that within this mindset, as long as you kind of have that curious mind of like, oh, what do the users need? And then kind of follow that thinking, that path. Um, it doesn't matter what tools you choose. And, and that's the most beautiful part of this design thinking is that you can do it the way you see fit to the problem that you're trying to solve. But then this kind of makes a match to, you know, fit the, the resources you have, the timeline you have. And as long as you are sure, like, oh, okay, we don't have time to do a whole survey. But, you know, according to previous research, we know users behave, behave in a certain way. Therefore, we can, you know, use that and start there to kind of, again, uh, just depending on the resources and the timeline you have, um, just kind of pick and choose the tools that you need to, to finish this process. And with that said too, and I want to bring up this idea. Um, so before we started recording, Kyle asked me like, is this like a structure thing? Is it not a structure thing? And, and, and that might be something interesting for us to explore, which I, I'm glad that you brought it up because um, there are different tools to help you to go through this process in a more formal way. Because I think within, uh, let's say, my own circle of like, oh, me and one other designer, when we talk about design thinking, it's like, oh, of course we know what it is. So of course we, you know, already do the research and do the testing. And those are things that we're familiar with. But design thinking is something like we mentioned at the beginning is it is open to everybody on the team. It is something that we want everyone to understand and, uh, and adapt this thinking. And the way we can do that is it will be a lot easier, you know, if you do it in a, in a little more formal way, instead of sitting down and be like, everybody, let's start thinking this way. Right. So one example is that I'm sure you guys have heard of the Google Ventures um, design sprint. So basically it's running through this entire process, but kind of chopped it up by different day, like day one, you're kind of doing the research and then, and, 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 uh, empathizing with the user, listening to the uh, feedback that they have with the issues that they're running into. And then, day two, three, four, it is basically going through the process of design thinking. But in, in that structure, every team members are going through the process together, not so much like, oh, I don't do research. You go do, do your thing, right? Because it, I guess in my experience, we have done it in a way that is like, oh, product manager, uh, even though we we oftentimes don't have really the time to say this whole week, we're not going to do anything but this. Like that's very difficult. But if you can can put down some sort of expectations and say, product manager, okay, we think that there's a problem with, you know, let's say defining business requirements so that we make sure that the solution will also fit with that, you know, in some sort of ways that you can include different team members in a way that they're comfortable, but still keep them informed in what steps we're trying to execute. I think that's very helpful. So yeah, that's one way to do it. And then also one exercise that um, it's a smaller scale, not so much the full design sprint that I've done before is kind of the, it's called decision. Wait, is it? Hold on. What's the full name? Design decision lightning jam by AJ and smart. And and I think they are in, Britain? I cannot remember. But Asia and Smart, they're an agency that started this um, um, idea of an, of this exercise. Very similar. It's this like lightning round of like 
let's define problem. Let's, you know, get, get input from the user. Again, it's very similar um, to, to the Google venture, but in a quicker scale, a uh, smaller scale. Uh, so those are really fun, fun ways to introduce this idea to your team members that you should totally look up. Well, that's really so, yeah. interesting. We'll have to put that shorter one in the show notes. We'll put the sprint in there as well. Um, I've used that quite a bit and used shortened versions of it. I guess my own made up shortened versions of it where we'll compress all of those steps into either like a one or two day, you know, it's meant to be. So for those who aren't familiar with, uh, you know, a design, a, a sprint, as they call it, you know, kind of a design sprint where you're, you're kind of looking for what are some of the key problems and then go through like this entire process where you ideate over some solutions and then prototype them and then test them out with a, a small group of users to see what's the best solution. That's meant to take about a week. So we've done that sort of thing in kind of a compressed time period over yeah. you know, maybe one to two days where we go through all of the same steps. But for something that maybe isn't as large of a, a project and, and do that in a day, if it's something that is, you know, needs a day's worth of time or even half a day, you know, if it's something smaller. And it sounds like there might be kind of a framework for something like that that is more mm -hmm. of a lightning round that uh, other people have come up with, which isn't surprising. I'm sure lots of people are doing similar things to that. So, yeah. yeah if you really want, this can also uh, turn into some sort of like hackathon type of a day. And I mean, this again takes, <laughs> as we understand, time and resources. And so whatever way this can fit your team, I would recommend like looking up these different methods to introduce, introduce this idea. And also the nice thing is that it can be a fun activity. It's not like the day-to-day -day work. So if, if anyone is interested, you can totally make a day out of it. And yeah, it is still work, but it's, in a way, kind of a outside of work work. <laughs> That's kind of how I see it when, when you run this kind of like, today's the day where we do, you know, design sprint day one, you know, it's, it's a different atmosphere. And last year when we, we did a quick, we didn't call it hackathon because we weren't hacking anything, but our build-a-thon was very much this way where even though we did the, you know, empathize with user and the research part, kind of upfront so that we already have, you know, some tasks kind of ready to go. Yeah, that was really fun. Just like one day we sat there and it's like, too bad we didn't have time to test it. That's the one part we really missed there, but that was a fun day. We left at like 4 a.m. <laughs> it was intense. Nice. Yeah. True hackathon style, like all day, all yep. night. Yeah. Yeah. Even though we didn't like fully implement the design thinking entire process, but, but the point being like, again, this is something that the team can do as like a fun, fun work activity. <laughs> so kind of thinking through this entire framework, what do you think is the most, either the most important part or the, the most important theme running throughout all of this as far as design thinking goes? I would definitely put all my money into the, uh, <laughs> the, the first step and the second to last step, which is uh, empathize and testing, because those two are really things that we don't do enough. And it's a lot easier to, to just say, let's shut the door and build 
and then ship it out, right? And those are things that we know very well how to do. So I would say the first step, yeah, just even dropping everything and say, I know there's a problem. Let's see what really the problem is. And without you inserting your own assumption into that, that's a very important first step. And again, validating the uh, with the user of the solution working also is something that you really have to drop your ego and say, I really believe in this solution. And then if it turns out, if it doesn't doesn't solve the problem, like that, that hurts, that sucks. And um, oh, one thing that we didn't mention is that, so in that situation, what do you do is that you go back, right? You go back to step one, maybe to, again, listen to the problem and understand better what the problem is if you're really far off with your solution and see that in the test results. Um, the beautiful thing about design thinking is that you can repeat as many times as you need to, to continue to iterate a product or if on along the way, and if you feel like a prototype, even at that stage, you know that it's not going to work. I mean, I would say go through with the testing first, right? But um, if you need to, you can backtrack to any of the steps from previous steps to um, help to build and shape that solution. So yeah. I would definitely echo that. I think that what design thinking really brings to product teams in general is a much deeper level of understanding for users for each other. So it really brings a depth to the product and the experience that I don't think we would have otherwise. Like if we jump right into kind of the implementation and building, we just don't have that level of experience that we could create otherwise. And it really brings, in my mind, a kind of a diversity of viewpoints into the entire process. And so bringing in users early, bringing in um, other people into the kind of the ideation process and bringing in, again, users kind of in the testing process. So we're getting users throughout the entire process. We're bringing in by default, um, you know, stakeholders and other people into the group to make sure that it's not just one set of people who who's kind of creating this product but we're we're trying to represent all of the different perspectives throughout so that we create the right experience and so making sure that we have the right level of understanding and and the right shared understanding of the users of the problem of the experience and that that gets represented all the way through the design thinking process and then ultimately implemented into the product itself. I think that's what it really brings to the table for me. And so we're not just creating something that, you know, the the product team specifically thinks that users want or that a single stakeholder or a very vocal person wants mm-hmm. us to produce. Um, that, you know, we're creating the right nice. thing for the, the right users in the right way. And so making sure that it's, representative of the problem of the needs of our users. I think that that's, that's yeah. just a real key to, to what design thinking is. I feel like that comes up every episode, of like <laughs> any product related topic. I mean, but that is the point is that we do need the users. We, we need them to buy the product. We need them to use the product and we need to make sure we take care of them in the right way that, that we can. So yeah, but it does come out every episode, right? <laughs> we, we keep hammering on it. Yeah, interestingly, <laughs> right? Let me ask you this. Why 
is design thinking important? Um, to me, design thinking is important because it kind of explains why design is important. I guess the difference between saying like design and design thinking is that through design thinking, the end result is not just me sitting in a room again, like I described, like door closed, hammer out a solution that I am like so confident it will work and then ship it out and call it good, right? Because um, I think a lot of people are, uh, if you're a designer, you've heard that prob- uh, heard that, that that conversation of like, um, this doesn't work. Just hurry and change this thing, change this button on the interface or make the button bigger. Some some sort of very, I don't know, not as thought through solution and just change the interface. Give me the design file. Give the d- developers the design file, right? So that to me is not what a designer's job really is. And for us, it's, we need to make sure design thinking is implemented in a way that we can say, yeah, we are confident that this solution is tested and it is we, we have done research to back this solution right and that process is not just doing the the oh make it look good make it look pretty it's also not just again behind closed door designing for 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 us or for what, who we think we're designing for um so i think design thinking is very very important in in what i do as a designer every day and also <laughs> explains to people why I do what I do. So that's why I think it's very important. And and like we've been talking about this whole time is that we want everyone to be able to understand the process. So then it's not like, why why do I have to do research? Is because we want to be able to put the right uh, solution to the problem. I think that's really good. It's more, it's so much more than just the pixels on the screen or the design file exactly. that you know, gets sent over. It's it's so much more than just the visual aspect of it. I think that's yep. That's really important. <laughs> Thank you for summarizing my <laughs> just <laughs> mindless rambling. I'd add to that too. Like I think that for me it kind of comes to probably three main points. Like it's about one, ensuring that we're solving real problems for real people. And you kind of got to that. It's it's not just about visual things. It's about the real experiences and that that the people are at the heart of it. Our users are at the heart of it. Second, that it really brings in the people at the front lines uh, who are creating the products. I kind of touched on this a little bit. Often, you know, we can get sidetracked by you know very vocal uh, folks in companies, uh, whether that's <laughs> the highest paid person in the room or you know other you know very senior people who ha- often have you know very valid opinions and and very valid experience, but you know we we can't always and shouldn't always default to that, and so ensuring that we have the right representation of everybody in creating the yeah. right experiences of our users, of the team creating it, of, you know, the stakeholders at the company that there's the right representation to create the right, the right thing. And I think that ultimately this is where innovation comes from, is from design thinking. So getting all of these ideas out where anything could be possible, you know, helping us think outside of the box, you know, often you know, we're so stuck in thinking of the way that we always do things that we kind of get some tunnel vision and and so helping us kind of step back from where we are and the direction that we're going and really thinking about what is possible and what are other ways that we could solve these problems 
if we really focus in on what is the problem specifically that we're solving for, then we can kind of step out of the box of, you know, we have this way that we've always solved for these problems and really think about, you know, there's any number of solutions that we could be doing and it doesn't necessarily have to align with what we've always done. You know, we could, we may be able to solve these problems in new ways for our business, or we may be able to solve them in simpler ways than we've done, or we may be able to enter a new line of business that is, you know, different than we've done. These are, you know, really exciting opportunities that, uh, design thinking kind of opened the door for us. So Mm -hmm. those are, those are some important things that I think design thinking really bring to the table, especially for product teams in helping us think differently about how we approach problem solving and ensure that we're creating again, the right experiences and focus on the people at the center of those experiences. Yeah. And I really like that you brought up the <laughs> the issue of like the loudest person in the room or <laughs> the person with the highest rank all of a sudden have this problem. And then it's not that we don't want to solve those those problems, but a, a lot of the time, and I'm sure it happens to everybody, <laughs> is that we want to take in those input and, and just make sure that we validate that, oh, it is the problem that we want to solve, or this is in fact, the highest um, priority to to fix this problem over other, you know, um, other issues that we need to tackle. So it's not that we immediately dis, you know, discredit, you know, anyone who who brings up a problem because you have whatever ranking in, in uh, on the team, but it's really putting user in front of any of these uh, uh, immediate like, oh, fixes instead of, you know, uh, that kind of comment is that we can always use this process to, uh, help validate those, those concerns that anyone has in the company. Exactly. And it's all about creating those, that set of ideas and then validating those solutions so that we're again, not focused on either the way that we've always done it or one set of solutions that you know, may not be the right set of solutions. Yes. And the last thing I do want to bring up is that like the biggest benefit to me also is that this design thinking gives you a very dedicated mind space to take care of, you know, each step of the way, because a lot of the time, most likely you're not working on one problem. You're working on 20 different problems, right? Trying to fix all of it. And the second, when you look at, you know, really just the the, the pie chart of design thinking, I think that even gives you a little bit of like, oh, okay, this is where I'm at with this particular problem where the other one, I'm still in the empathizing phase where it gives you a little bit of structure and again, dedicated mind space to not feel like these all problems are just (laughs) giant hairballs everywhere. So that's something I really, really like. Yeah. We like design thinking. We do. And it helps us, again, like approach problems in a new way that hopefully gets us out of, again, I, I keep going back to it, looking at things differently than we we have before. Because I think that you know, we get into kind of this trap of there are things that are always the way that they have been. And we don't really mm-hmm. see them differently just because it's so ingrained. And I think that happens everywhere. And yep. I think design thinking is a really a way to kind of get us out of that mindset and start thinking about different ways that things could be or should be. You know, we were having just this morning, my kids 
accidentally pushed the input button on our TV and it switched from <laughs> their the fire stick that they watch cartoons on to a different input and they could not get it back. And I had to go and fix it for them. Lost and forever. Yeah. And that happens periodically. And the input on TV is really difficult to manage. And I, they asked, why Ooh. is it so difficult? You know, why can't we get it back? And I said, well, that's just the way it is, you know, and they doesn't asked, have to be, they asked, why is that? And I, and I was like, you know, I don't know why that wow. is. It literally got me thinking, why is it that it's so difficult? Like it really, does it need to be this difficult that my, my kids can't manage? Like if they push the wrong button, then like, it's too difficult for them to get the input back to the right thing. Like, should it be this difficult? And it probably shouldn't be. I don't know what the right solution to that is, but I know that the way the inputs are on TV, it's too difficult for kids and it's probably too difficult for a lot of our parents at this it's point. So, so interesting. even for us going into meeting rooms, I think we struggle with that. It's like, which one is the one that connects to the iPad right. that has Zoom? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's we, like five people with college degrees just sitting there like, oh, try HDMI 3. <laughs> yeah, where we have to go through multiple inputs to like find the right one. And we probably all at this point just accept it as, you know, you just have to find the right input. But it's not a very user-friendly experience and it's oh, the way it is. it is, but it probably should not be the way that it is. Yeah. I like that your kids just like, yeah, product management, got it. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's ask the most important question. Does this have to be this way? And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this no, way. No, it doesn't. Yeah. My kids are great about that. They always ask questions awesome. and kids, kids in general are great about that. They ask lots of questions. So we need the mindset of children to ask Ooh, the questions of why is it that way and why should it be that way? Yeah. And the answer is always like, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Exactly. <laughs> talk, talk to the product manager. <laughs> yeah, it should be that way. It probably is that way because of some, honestly, because of some engineering constraint in the construction of it, or it was just a decision was made a long time ago. And was never revisited for whatever reason, but we probably ought to revisit it and not just let so things kind. continue. <laughs> You're being so kind about like what could have happened. <laughs> and then I'll, here I am I'm like, no. Um, the reason why I think that way also is because on my TV. Um, so one time I remember I was trying to switch to the input to, to play switch. I was trying out Animal Crossing. I don't really play the switch, so I never really had to do that and then when i went to the smart home bar whatever navigation they have it was a bunch of like ads <laughs> <laughs> and then the input um selection is like here tucked in a little corner it looks like one of those uh it's sitting right next to a setting which is not where you nor normally go if it's a day-to-day -day operation that you generally you know want to see more prominent prominently but in, in instead it's all ads i'm like ads ads why so you see there's a <laughs> business heavy decision there so yeah that's why i'm not as like oh maybe it's a tech constraint i'm like mm -mm, not the ads <laughs> not in my case anyways um yep. but yeah that's a very very good observation i feel like that we, we need to start writing letters no, the, in 2020, you tweet. We don't write letters anymore. That's right. We don't write to the company. We, we tweet. That's right. So we'll start a Twitter campaign <laughs> to figure out why this is happening and why 
what we need to do to fix it. And the intern in the marketing department will see it and be like, what do I do with this? <laughs> yeah. And if they're a good brand, then they'll have some sort of funny response to us. And if they're a bad brand, they'll yeah. just ask us to DM them so that they can. Uh, Are you to stop? Yeah. <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Yeah. How do we get, get a hold of all the product managers, <laughs> just all products that we use? Don't know. That's a good question. I, I guess if they're a good product manager, they will get a hold of us once we <laughs> get out there. And if they're not a good product manager, then they will probably just not be paying attention. Yeah. Why, why are they not sending people to my home observing how I try to switch to the switch input? And again, Amazon's doing that, but it takes a lot of money to back, back that kind of research. So there's a lot that can be done to make these things a lot easier and we're past the point that interface for the tv should be much much simpler it's kind of crazy to even talk about because like five years ago maybe a little bit longer you wouldn't even expect an interface for a tv right it's just once a year you might have to turn up the brightness or something but then there was no interface for for tv it was just like i guess an interface on the remote but not so much like on the tv now you have 500 selections that you can choose yeah and on that note design thinking yay yeah cool <laughs> so yeah any any shout out this this week from you yes <laughs> what is happening this, this better be a good one because you, your reaction seems genuine this one's just too good so i was looking <laughs> up the history of s'mores um oh great <laughs> which so my son loves to make s'mores. He loves camping, loves s'mores. And that got me interested just in the history of s'mores, which um, is an interesting and storied history. I won't go into that. The more interesting history, though, is the history of the graham cracker, which Ooh. was created by a Presbyterian minister by the name of Sylvester Graham, uh, who who hoped that the creation of a very bland cracker uh, would end the scourge of carnal desires. So that was oh. why he created <laughs> the graham cracker. What are we talking about? Yeah. What? So that That's was nuts. the history of the graham cracker. That's why he created them was because he he just thought that the world was getting too, so wicked. Yeah, too wicked and too carnal. And so he wanted graham crackers to help curb those terrible desires of, of wicked people, which I think actually was uh, helped in the creation of things like bran flakes, like your your Wheaties and things like that. That that was also the hope of those types of cereals is they just wanted to just curb all of that sort of stuff. But anyway, that, that so nice. shout out to you, creator of the graham cracker which then got put into the <laughs> s'mores uh, for camping. But that I just thought that, was, that reminded me. I knew that that was the creation of some of those more bland <laughs> crackers and things like that. But I yeah, I love that. That like, story is just so fun. Did he did he do any any research on that or any testing? Because <laughs> I don't think there was any testing or anything involved other than I just mean, the hope that it would just curb that sort of thing. And so you just started feeding people these 
very bland, Ooh. tasteless crackers. Graham crackers are not bland. Has he ever tried saltines? <laughs> I don't know. They're not bland anymore. I think they're, they're quite, quite tasty. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Yeah, it's like full of texture. Texture. Okay. And you, you pair it with chocolate and marshmallow. It's delightful. But it wasn't paired I with those things this. until later. So when... But this this story, though. Sorry. When? <laughs> I love this. When? Oh, it wasn't. Nobody knows for sure. But the Girl Scouts uh, started using it in their camping in like 1929 that was when it was first put into i think a girl scout handbook and they started putting it together with marshmallows and chocolate and that was the beginning of some mores some more two yeah. words and then it later got shortened to s'mores see guys design thinking because <laughs> he did not validate the solution and <laughs> did not solve the problem that he wanted to solve no no not, i don't think he even close. came close yeah, it now became part of just the giant capitalism machine. Of yep. <laughs> just what? What is it? Keebler? Is that the one that owns it? Grant probably. Now you've the got the only cracker kingdom. Yeah. On this planet. Yeah. I mean, anyway, that's <laughs> there's your interesting or an interesting tidbit, I guess, depending on how you look at it. But. Yeah, I like this. Every episode will have one weird product story from Kyle, and I'll continue to just repeat that. I need to reach out to Nicola. Nic yes. Nicola, <laughs> I have not done it, and I will. And the one shout out that I have um, is for all the all the moms that are product managers or product designers or anybody uh, on the product team. It's a tough job, and yay, moms and engineers too. Yes, so tough. And coming off of Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day over this past weekend. And yes, the amount that is being asked right now, especially, is just absolutely yeah. incredible. Yes, we appreciate everything that everybody is doing, especially right now. Moms are great. Moms. Product moms. Product moms. That that should be a thing. <laughs> that should be a thing. Oh, that's a great thing. T-shirt idea. How do we make that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> Your idea, and and then Father's Day, uh, we have to say it out loud before anyone steals the idea. We're gonna have product ads too, <laughs> so yeah. So don't steal it. Yes, product ads and product moms. TM. Yes, yes. There, there we go. Trademark. I love this. Dibs. Yeah, Kyle's we, a product yeah. ad. <laughs> I love this. That's great. Well, yeah, that's cool. it. Thank All you, right. everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find out more about us and our podcast on our website at productbydesign.co. You can also follow us on Twitter at prodbydesign. That's at prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans. And you can also find Eva on Twitter at Yan Chow Chow. See you next time.